Oh, let's love him. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen, amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. It's so beautiful to be here tonight. And uh, just even during the prayer meeting, I was thanking God that I could be here. And uh, I come from a praying church, praying, worshiping people. And uh, and I, I get to see a lot of churches like that, but it just, when it really hooks up, it just... It just feels good. It just feels very, 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 very good. Amen. You know, I'm not uh, going to take a text. But I do read in Second Samuel 14 about a woman. She was called the wise woman of Tekoa. And we won't go through all of the minutiae, but bottom line... Joab, who was the nephew of David, but he had many brothers. He obviously had at least one sister called Zeruiah. And so in this, in this process, uh, Joab and David were about the same age, etc., etc. And he'd had a, he had a boy in exile. His name was Absalom. We won't even go into how he got there. But David was basically pining for him. And the Bible says that uh, Joab went to this wise woman of Tekoa, put words in her mouth. She came to David, talked about she had two boys. One of them got in a fight with one, killed him. Now all the rest of the family is going to kill him. She said, I'm going to be childless for this is over. He said, I'll intercede. The bottom line of that story, she said, then why don't you intercede for your son? Why don't you bring Absalom back home, basically? And then she makes this statement in this process. She said, God doth devise means whereby his banished can be brought back to him. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still working. He knows how to devise means. And I know that in this congregation that's gathered here tonight, there are no doubt some unbelievably fabulous testimonies of what God has done and how God's performed to bring you out of darkness on the backside of the moon somewhere spiritually into this marvelous light. God devises means. God. God devises means. He devised means for a 75-year-old man married to a 65-year-old woman to have a son of promise when he was 100 and she was 90. Hence, Isaac. He devised means for Isaac to have a bride 
through divine intervention. He devised means for their son Jacob to raise up the 12 patriarchs. And he just did it. He just... He devised means for them to be saved by going into Egypt. He devised means for them to come out of Egypt. He devised means for Moses to lead him. He devised means for Moses to give them law and to teach them and build a tabernacle and on and on and on. He just devises means. He does. And I'm so glad he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're looking at somebody that God devised means for. And um, um, I was in a Chinese restaurant here several years ago, and uh, I haven't pastored for five years now. My son is now the pastor, and he's doing, I'm not, this ain't daddy talk. He's doing a better job than I did. I'm serious as I can be. And, uh, but I was in a restaurant several years ago in Pueblo, Colorado, where I was basically raised. And... uh, Across the table from me is my brother and then his wife, my sister-in-law, my mother. And uh, my brother Philip says, Larry, there is a lady over your left shoulder about two tables away. She keeps turning around completely in her chair and staring a hole in the back of your head. And I said, really? He said, yes. So after a while, I knock a fork or something off the table, which I'm pretty wont to do anyway. And then I, so while I'm reaching down, I look and she's staring at me. She does look vaguely familiar. And, uh, and pretty soon she comes up and I look up and she said, are, are, are you Larry Booker? And I said, Yes. She said, you don't know who I am, do you? And, and, and I'm thinking, I sure hope I never used to go out with you is all I can tell you. <laughs> and uh, I said, you look really familiar. And uh, she said, I'm Judy. And she threw out her last name. And I, I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and... Uh, she said, I'm going to ask you something. She said, is it true you're a preacher? I said, yes. Is it true you're a pastor? Yes. Church in California. And she looks at my brother and sister-in-law, my mother, and she says, you, you do know he was not voted the most likely to be religious. You, you know that. And they said, oh, we know. We, 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 we very much know. And uh, so, so God devised means for Larry Booker. And I'm going to tell you something. Larry Booker is still not re- interested in religion. I'm very interested in salvation. Amen. And that's the means that, that God, you can go devise your own religion. That's, what, that's why the world's full of religion. People sit around and devise them. I'm interested in his salvation. And that's the only thing. That's the only thing that, that could help Larry Booker. I had, I had a, a, two different probation officers. They would, I think they'd take turns fooling with me. I don't know. 
but from the time I was 14 till I was 21. And uh, they couldn't help me. And I had doctors, the most well-renowned doctor in uh, Pueblo, Colorado, tried to put me through college and did his best to help me. And it didn't work. And I had counselors try to help me. And, and I had police officers, plenty, some of them genuinely, seriously, seriously were kind to me and tried to help me. Others would try to help me uh, go to the grave, amen. Some of them tried to help me go to the hospital. But anyway, I didn't blame them. So, uh, but uh, lawyers helped me and tried to help me. And, and of course, my parents tried, everybody tried to help me. The only one that could ever really pull Larry Booker out of Larry Booker was Jesus Christ. He devised means. He devised means. He devised, he devised means, and he knows how. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's just, he's just, he's just, a, he's just a good, good God. And I've watched down through the years how he devises means and does his work. I'm thinking now about Sister Anna that God's been so good to and so kind to. And she's had some rough spots, but she's hanging in there, baby. She lived under a bridge for over 25 years. She was the shot caller under the bridge. Today she's baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. God, God devised means. God devised means. He, he knew how to do it. Amen. I remember... I remember when we were idiots and we would go up to Boulder, Colorado and buy 1,000 lots of LSD, 25 cents a hit or 19 cents a hit, depending, and uh, pack them up, figure them out how to do it, ship them off to Vietnam to a buddy of ours who would sell them to his fellow GIs for $5 a hit. Then he'd buy pure uncut heroin, send it back. Once we would cut it down and then sell it and go buy more LSD. And, and uh, we'd be, we'd get most of it all up there in Boulder. Boulder, Colorado was a crazy place. It was a Haight-Ashbury of Colorado in those days. And uh, some of you may have heard this, but I was, I was, uh, Could you stand up, young lady? Yes. Yes, you're the one I wanted. Okay. Could you come up here? The re I like your height because you're the same height. Come right up here, a little, <laughs> little bit more. Here, here, I'll give, you, I'll give you a lift up. There you go. So we're on the streets of Boulder, Colorado, and we're, we're buying drugs and everything. Well, there's a girl, she's got, a, she's got on a leather jacket and all the strings hanging, and, and she's got blue jeans, and, and she needs to shower. You don't. And um, her hair needed washed thoroughly, and yours is really beautiful. And, and anyway, so she's got a tin cup in her hand, and she's saying, spare change? Spare change? Anybody got spare change? And uh, 
Larry Booker that could barely spare, spell the word job. Uh, I just, uh, I looked at her. Go ahead and look at me. It's okay, sis. <laughs> yeah, look at me. <laughs> and she says, I looked at her and I said, why don't you get a job? So I'm laughing. My buddies are laughing. I start to turn and she begins to question things like the circumstances of the origins of my birth and things of that nature. And uh, so I, I turn back to her. And, 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 and we get into an argument. I mean, really, it, it was a deal. And, and she was like, come on, come on, try it, try it. But you don't hit a woman. And, and, and so I just, and my, my buddies are laughing so hard. So I turn, and as I start to walk away, I hear, <laughs> and I felt it. And I looked on the back of my pant leg. And I said, you spit on me. She said, you deserved it, buddy. And, uh, and I, my, these guys were hanging on to the, to the uh, parking meters, holding up to keep from falling down. The, the, the street lights, they are rolling, tears going down their cheeks. I wanted to slap them all. And I just <laughs> took my anointed leg and went, got into the old car that the next day I traded off for some opium. And, uh, and, 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 and so that, that was, that was Larry Booker. Young lady, why don't you have a seat right there? Just don't fall backwards into that baptistry. There you go. You're, you're good. I'm going to give you $20 for putting up with me tonight. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, you're a good girl. You didn't take up an offering tonight, Pastor. So. This, this is for bearing with me. It was just crazy, stupid, crazy, stupid stuff. And to think that I'm here tonight. And then when I traded off that 57 Plymouth for some opium, and it was falling to pieces. It was falling to pieces. Um, and then uh, opium made us fall to pieces. And then, so, but we were up in, in the top dorm of Colorado University. Uh, from, a, from my middle of my ninth grade year, until a year after I graduated, I was stoned or drunk every single day, except for one six-week period of time when I played football in my senior year. And even though I got kicked off the team, and even though I got, I had a D minus average and I graduated with one half credit to my good, Colorado University and Adams State were offering me football scholarships. And, uh, but then when I got picked up for drugs, I took care of that. But I was up in uh, the, the dorms at CU. My friend at, um, Alan was up there. And we had, we had a party, and they were, we were all drugged out, and they were laying around, and mouths hanging open, and 
There was music playing. I could tell you the, the band. I can tell you the leader of the band. I can tell you the song. I can tell you the lyrics. And um, it was playing. And at that point in my life, I was so sad. I was so miserable. I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's a hard deal not to live for God. It's a hard life. And you can, you can come across like you're the life of the party and you're the, the, the go-to guy and all this and that. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a dead-end street. And I was realizing that I was sinking. I'm going down. I didn't believe I'd ever see 30. I, did, I know if God had not have found me, I would be in prison or I would be in a mental institution or I would be in hell tonight. I was headed one of those three places as fast as I could go. And while I'm sitting there in my abject, hideous misery, all of a sudden I started feeling happy. And I mean, happy. Really happy. I mean, joyously happy. Like giddy, full happy. And and there was a there was a mirror there that I had every now and then looked at my wretched self. And I looked at this mirror, but I didn't see myself. I didn't see anything but but a big green meadow and yellow flowers starting to unfold because the sun was shooting rays through the leaves of huge trees and just starting to come over the tops of the trees. And I was so ecstatically happy. I was about to scream for joy. And then I turned back and my buddies were all laying around. And the sorrow and the emptiness engulfed me again and came back. And I thought, I thought, I didn't know opium did that to you, but I, I, thought, I didn't know what to think. So anyway, a lot of times God's working, he's devising means, and you have no idea. No idea what he's doing and how he's doing it. And, and, and it's, a, it's, 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 it's a long story. In case you think, I'm, I do have some books out there to sell, but the story of my life, I don't. I'm out of them, so I'm not trying to push that. Couldn't buy them if you wanted to. Unless you go to audible.com and you want to listen to it. Or Amazon. But anyway. So, God's devising means. God's just, he's just doing things. And uh, that long story, sad, hideous story ended up with me meeting the truth in Pueblo, Colorado. A doctor paying my way through college. I, I'd repented of my sins. I met this one God, Jesus name, apostolic message. I ran from it. I backslid from my repentance. I went back to my drugs. One night, shattered, absolutely shattered. I got by my bed and went from Denver down to Pueblo. 
And I said, Jesus, I'll do anything in the world for you if you'll just get me out of this city and out of my mess. And that night, an old friend of mine, 650 miles away, was praying for me. He had just recently been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Arise, go get Larry. He's ready now. <laughs> Drove all night and picked me up. Amen. I've just watched through the years how God has devised means. And, and the people I was running from, I ran into their arms in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And so I found Jesus and I watched as God began to move and save people. He knows how. He devises means. We begin winning young people to God. There was, there was, a, there was a, a night and uh, a thunderstorm came. Actually, it was around sunset, but you couldn't see it because of the clouds, the thick, dark clouds. And lightning storm came and rain, thick rain, powerful rain, cats and dogs rain. I went out sitting on the steps of the porch being drenched. I was just loving it. Newly filled with the Holy Ghost. And I just thought, I'm on it. I wasn't doing it to take a bath. But anyway, I just, I'm out there. And, and all of a sudden, the lightning flashed. This happened, I promise. The light was red, not white. And then flashed again. It was blue. Green. White. Blue. I screamed for my buddy that had drove on. I said, Larry, come here. He comes out. And it's happening. And there's, it is a scientific phenomenon. It's real. You can look it up. But I didn't know that. I thought it was God. I still think it was God. But the rain can be so thick and dense that when the lightning flashes, the water works like a prism. And so you'll get the seven colors of white light. And, uh, and, and that was what was happening. But man, we were just, and I'm, so now I'm out in the front yard and, and my buddy Larry, we're, we're worshiping, we're drenched, the lightning's flashing. What we didn't realize is that across the street, about two houses down, there was a, there was a, a character there, and uh, he, he, liked, he liked his beer, and, he, he liked, and he's watching us. And he yells, hey! He yells for his family, come here! We got some loons out here! And, and, and so they come, and here's a couple of brothers and a wife and three daughters and and they're looking at us and we're just and we're just oh we're worshiping lightning flashing and they still they saw the red and this and that and um, and then my buddy Larry he said just think Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe and instantly he said that. A bolt of lightning came down. We saw this while it was coming down. Split second, halfway down, it exploded. And they know there's a scientific name for that. It's a real phenomena. They know it's real because so many people have seen it, but they've never caught it on film. Not one time. 
but they know it's real because so many people have seen it. And when he said, most powerful name in the universe, and I fell face down in the now muddy lawn. And my buddy fell backwards. And, and, and we were, and they're looking across the street, said, look at that, they're crazy. <laughs> but the girl, to her daddy's right, she was looking out the window and tears were going down her cheeks. She was home for two weeks from the mental institution that was open in those days in Venita, Oklahoma because of her drug addictions, hideous maladies. And, and she'd come to the place they thought, we'll let her go home for a couple of weeks, but they, she has to come back. And while she was watching that, she was feeling something she'd never felt before. And she's watching these crazy guys worship. She hears the explosion and now, especially that tall skinny, I used to be skinny guy, is on his face in the mud. Well anyway, while they laughed, she wept. And the next day I heard a knock on my door. And I went to the door and there was a girl out there. I opened the door. Her name was Nancy. She said, do you go to church? I said, yes, I do. Can I go to church with you? I said, of course you can. It's just right up here over on Hickory. It's the shortcuts through the cemetery, but it's, yeah, right up there. Of course you can. We usually walk to church on Sunday mornings. You want to walk with us? If you don't mind. And I saw Nancy filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Because God doth devise means. And years later, years later, when some of her paintings began showing up at the Smithsonian Institute, she died of cancer. But she died worshiping God and loving Jesus. Because God doth devise means. Amen. And he still does it. He knows how to do it. He did it, he did it for Nancy. He's done it for Anna. He devises means. There's a, there's a young man in our church now, precious young man. He's not quite as tall as me, very thin, black man. He's 18. And uh, my son, Philip, they used to pick him up on the bus route. He's part of the large cadre of kids that they'd pick up. And uh, Philip told me, he said, Dad, he said, I always, I had my heart beat for this kid. And said, his mother was one of the sweetest ladies I've ever met. She was so thrilled that we were picking up her boy and taking him to Sunday school. And anyway, he was good at basketball. He said, we'd have family days and said, Dad, I've never seen a kid could move a ball like this kid. And he could shoot. He could shoot from afar. He'd get up. He was just. And so he's going to high school. And, and boy, the coaches are all over him. And, and he's on the team. And 
When he gets on the team, he begins to quit coming to Sunday school. Philip would go talk to him. Anyway, then they, they, actually, they actually transferred him to another high school from which it's so renowned for its sports that, that, that um, people in universities that, that go and try and catch these guys, they watch that school continually. And this kid had people after him to go to their colleges. And they were already talking about other things. And, and so we were losing Sir big time. COVID hit. And his mama died. He had no brothers and sisters. He had no other family. Distant way off. So a coach that wanted him to play took him in. Long story short, goes to a party one night, and there's some bad dudes there. And he goes to the girl putting on the party, and he said, I'm just going to tell you, if, you don't, if we don't get these guys out of here, they're going to tear this place to pieces. She said, can you get them in the car? He said, I think so. Do you know where they live? said, I know their whereabouts, basically. He talks them into getting in the car. They're in the back seat. He's in the front seat. She's mad. So she's going down neighborhood streets at 100 miles an hour. She's so mad. These guys were screaming, but now they're in terror. And she hits a big dip in the road. And they're all killed except for Sir. Sir's right arm is tore off his body. The rest of his body is shattered. And they don't believe he'll live, but he does. His left arm, they're, they're, they're not taking the time to move his arm to keep it functioning. They don't think he's going to live anyway. So his arm is placed for months and months and months. So he loses the use of his left arm. His legs are shattered. He finally gets out. He lives 25 miles from our church now. And he gets home. People say, what do you want to do now? He said, I want to go home. They said, your mom's gone, you know. No, I want to go to my church. I want to go back home. I want to go back to my church. And here he comes. Since he started coming back, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name. I think eight or nine of his friends have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. He recently told my wife, he said, I destroyed all the videos of me playing basketball. He said, I threw away all my worldly music. He said, Sister Booker, I want to be a preacher. And I believe he will. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but I'm going to tell you something. God devises means. He just, 
He just, he just, he just knows his stuff. Or it could be like little Oscar. Oscar is on our Bible quiz teams now, and he's he's unbelievable Bible quizzer. Oscar spent his life in foster homes, one foster home after the next, after the next, after the next. Southern California is not a sweet, neat place. It can be neat, but it's not sweet. And so he's got stories, and and uh, but anyway, now he's at a home. He's about to get out of the system. They're keeping it just for a few months till the system's through with him. And he's up in the mountains. But there's something beating in Oscar's heart. He knows we're in the end time. He doesn't know much about God, but he knows Jesus is coming back. This world's going crazy. It's just, he, 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 he could quote maybe three or four scriptures. He just doesn't know much. But he starts going around knocking on doors up in Crestline. People open the door. He said, can I, can, 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 can I talk to you about God? Do what? Yes, Jesus Christ is going to come back soon. Yeah, right. And that's about all he'd know. But he's, well, he's doing that. A few days, he knocks on the door. Amen. And a guy named Reuben opens up. Reuben used to be on drugs, bad. But Reuben came and prayed through, baptized in Jesus' name. Then he, remar- he married Ariana, who's in the same condition. Now she's, she's becoming quite the artist, and she lives for Jesus. So they're up there, and he's a steel worker, and she's doing her artwork. But, but they are, they know it's, they, they got to get closer back, back to the church and his work and everything. So... He sells his place, makes a lot of money to buy a house. And he gives the first 50000 to the building fund because he loves Jesus. So it's about two weeks before he has to be out of the house and the door knocks. This boy opens the door. He says, can I, can I talk to you about God? Well, sure. Jesus Christ is soon to come. He is indeed. Do you know about him? I sure do. They get to talking. You want to come in? Sure. They sit down. He goes, you really do know a lot about him, don't you? I said, yeah. You want to go to church with me Sunday? He said, I'd love to. Let me tell you, God devises means. And when they walked into the auditorium, they walk into the auditorium, he's not in there 10 feet. He says, I'm home. I am finally home. He receives the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name again. Today he's on the Bible because he's doing, well, they, they were having a, they were having a, a, a youth deal at uh, Brother Clark's church in Ontario. And so our youth was over there, and they were all there. And, and, and so he's sitting at a table after all the deal, and people are eating and stuff. And they said, hey, 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 tell Oscar, Oscar, uh, tell us about. And, and somebody said, well, how did you know when you were home? 
What, what did you mean by that? He said, well, when I was a little boy, I was in a foster home for about three or four months. And the lady, she had some kids and she was faithful to church. She would take me with them to church. And he said, I'd never been in a church like that. But when I'd walk in, I'd feel something that I never felt anywhere else. And he said, I knew it. Every time I went, I'd feel it. I'd feel it. He said, when I left there, I never felt it again. But when I walked into Inland Lighthouse Church, I was in there 10 feet, and I could feel it. I felt. So while he's talking, there's a boy leaning over the table. Oscar. Oscar. What? It's me, Tony. You were with us in our house. Do you remember? We played with the, uh, all those little things you put together and you don't ever want to step on them in bare feet. Legos. Ah, Legos. <laughs> don't you remember we used to build all the stuff with the Legos? He said, Tony, it was your mama. It was your house. They went to Brother Smith's church up in Victorville. I'm here to tell you God doth devise me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God only knows how many people he's dealing with in these mountains. How many people he's dealing with in hot springs. And how many people are going to come in and say, I've never felt this before. I've never seen this before. This is, this, this is something. I'm telling you, God's working on them. And there are people right here who could give us testimonies right now tonight of how God devised means. And that's how you got here. And when it comes to that business, he's just getting started. He's just getting started. So when I got into Bartlesville Church, we started winning young people and, and uh, we're just having a, winning them and just loving Jesus. And I remember was there, there was a girl named Pam and she said, she said, Larry, you kind of look familiar. I said, yeah, you kind of look familiar too. She said, she said, were you raised here? I said, oh, no, no, I was raised in Colorado. Because I, I used to live in Colorado. I said, really? I said, where'd you live? She goes, I lived in Boulder. I said, you spit on me. She said, you deserved it, buddy. I'm just here to tell you, we're serving a neat God. I'm a, I'm a, you can be seated. What's your name? Aria. That's a lot prettier than Pam. No offense. <laughs> Pam's a pretty name. Pretty name. You can be seated, Aria. I'd like a musician to come. I never met this man, but I know people that knew him. His name was Jacob. When Jacob was a little boy about seven. World War I was rolling. And as is usually the case, Poland was in the process of getting its pitiful teeth kicked down its throat. 
And, and Jacob was seven. They lived out in the country, in the woods, little pitiful house. And they could hear the cannons shooting, the guns, things coming, Germans coming, shots being fired. And it got to the place they could hear the sound of the marching feet. Jacob's mother wraps him up. It's, it's, it's cold. It's cold out. It's winter. She wraps him up, puts a big thick coat on him. She gives him a sack. She's stuffing bread and cheese and food and says, Jacob, they're coming. You run that way. Don't look back, Jacob. And whatever you do, don't you come back, Jacob. And somehow, and there is, there's a bridge. It's rickety, but there's, there's a bridge down there. Cross the river. Get across the river and keep running. Mama, I don't want to go, run, Jacob, run! And the little boy is seven and he's running. And while he's running... He's hearing the gunshots get louder and louder. And while he's running, he's hearing them kicking in the door of his house. While he's running, he stops to hear his mother's screams and shots. And he's seven and he's terrified and he's sobbing and he runs. He gets to the finally to the rickety bridge and it's covered with ice. And it's rickety to begin with, but he's he's making his way across the icy rickety bridge. And in the process he falls off. And he falls onto the ice and he hears a crack. And he's laying very still. And he's terrified. And he begins trying to crawl. But with every move he makes, it cracks. And then it cracks wide open and he's got his heavy coat. It soaks up the freezing water instantly. And he's being pulled down, down, down. And at seven years old, he's saying, so this is how I die. And all of a sudden, there was great feeling of euphoria. Something had wrapped their arms around him. He said he felt instantly warm. He felt totally peaceful. And he felt himself going up, up, up. His head came out of the water. He's gasping for breath. Whoever's holding him takes him to the bank. He lays him down and says, you're going to be okay, Jacob. I love you. And he turns and there's nobody there.
Now he's getting cold. And off, off, off in the distance, he sees a house. And so he, he manages to get himself up and he makes his way, getting colder by the moment he gets to this house. He leans against the door and begins to pound. And an older woman opens the door and her heart, she grabs the boy. She's pulling off the coat, the clothes. She gets him by the fire. She's throwing more logs in the fire. And this old woman and her husband take him in for their own. He lives there the rest of the war. That home, that family escapes any damage. As the years go by, he gets in his 20s and he meets a girl and his adoptive father helps him build a cabin out on their property. He marries the girl and they begin to have children. And then World War II comes. And Poland catches it again. In the process of that war, he actually loses two kids. But they somehow make it through. And then the trauma and the age, the old couple dies. But they have given him title deed. He, he owns the farm. And... Uh, one thing leads to another. He has a granddaughter that moves to the United States. Then her parents die. And so it ends up, he's an old man now. He's about 80. And the granddaughter's writing him letters from Texas. Grandpa, please come. She's writing in Polish. Please come, please come, come live with us. Sell the farm, Grandpa. You don't want to die alone. Sell the farm, Grandpa. Sell the farm. He finally decides to sell the farm. With the money, she knows he's coming buys the flight. She said, once you get here, everything's taken care of. He ends up flying into Houston, Texas. Over the next few months, he's learning smatterings of English, slowly but surely. She's always inviting him to come to church. Well, his parents were Catholics. The adoptive parents were Catholics. and He said, I, I don't... You're not, you're, not, you're not a Catholic. Oh, but you'll love our church, Papa. You'll love our church. No, no. So the months go by, and then finally one night, he said, okay, I'll go. And he sits towards the back, and it was a large auditorium, lots and lots of people. And the presence of God came in there, and people got to worshiping and carrying on like you all were tonight. He's sitting towards the back. He's about the third row in, but it's, I've been in that building several times. I know what it was like. 
and he's getting scared and they never did that in the Catholic church. And so he's going to get out. He's going to go sit in the car and he gets up and he starts making his way to the aisle. And when he did, all of a sudden, he felt a feeling he hadn't felt since he was seven years old. A feeling of euphoria. A feeling like he was being held. And it was so rich and so sweet. And behind him in perfect Polish, Jacob, I'm the one that saved you from drowning that morning. Jacob, I saved you for this hour and I brought you here to give you this. And Jacob began to sob. And he, as he was crying, people took him to the front. His granddaughter grabbed him. That night he was baptized in Jesus' name. A few nights later, it's filled with the Holy Ghost. And about two and a half years later, he went to go be with the one that saved him. Because God doth devise means. He knows his business. Let's stand. And so now I'm a 19-year-old boy. I'm in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized. I get a job as a sheetrocker, a drywaller. I'd never done that before. I'd worked some construction, but I wasn't good. I was the kind of guy that it took drywallers and tapers to fit, cover my work. And uh, my boss used to call me the butcher. So anyway, he says, get up early. We got to go up to Daring, Kansas. I got, got a big house I got to do up there. I said, okay. I've had the Holy Ghost about three weeks. We get in the truck and we're driving. We get out on the highway. 75, headed up. He said, I hope you don't mind. I know you're a Christian, but I just bought a eight track, shoved it in. I knew every song on it. I knew Paul McCartney, as far as knowing him. It was Wings. They were singing a song. I knew every lyric. While we're driving, I start feeling happy. We're driving. I start feeling really happy. I'm feeling God. I know what it is. I'm feeling God so strong. And, 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 and I'm thinking, if something don't happen, I'm fixing to have a screaming fit right here. And we all know the feeling of what a deja vu is like. And there it was. And I turned. And there was a beautiful green field. 
and the yellow flowers were opening up from the sunlight coming through the giant elm trees and the sun was coming up over the top. And I realized what he did for me that day at Boulder University. He said, Larry, I got better things for you and you're going to know it when you get it. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he still devises means. Anybody glad he made a way for you? And if you're here tonight, and, and, and you... You feel it, you, you know, but you've never yet experienced it. Maybe you've never yet really turned over your life with repentance. Or maybe you haven't have yet to be baptized in Jesus' name. Or maybe you've never yet received the Holy Ghost. Or maybe you've received the Holy Ghost but never been baptized or whatever. God brought you here tonight because he has devised means and he loves you very, 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 very deeply, far more than you can imagine. And he still has beautiful things left in your life for you. And so, if you're here tonight and you're thankful for what he's done, and maybe you just want to step out and come down and lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus, for devising means. Thank you for what you've done for me. Then feel free. Come on, friend. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. And as these are coming, amen. Why don't you come with them, sir? Why don't you come with them, ma'am? God brought you here tonight because he loves you. He cares about you. He cares about you. He's devised means tonight. Oh, yes, yes.